Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences and culinary journeys. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals, and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker, and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world. Culinary Chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you. I hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Kyla. Welcome, welcome, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be here, that you're here. Um, Gosh, we've known each other for, we won't say, because it'll age us, you know, we're just 21 and 22. Fabulous, fabulous. (laughs) Yes. Um, But we've known each other in the food industry for many years, the baking industry for many years. Now you have now relocated to the UK, which is my favorite place in the whole world. And you are have been doing so many different things since I last connected to you. So I guess maybe just do a little intro to tell everyone who's listening who you are, what you do, and kind of, you know, how you got on this path. Yeah, it's the most exciting path to go on, first and foremost. And I love that we have almost similar paths. Um, what I see is that is that so many people like us who've been in the industry a long time struggle. How do we how do we explain our path? Uh, right now, I live in London, England, and I am from Toronto. I built most of my career in Toronto. In England, in hospitality, we've had this similar experience that Toronto has had. I'm actually a trainer here, and I'm a trainer because for the last 36 years, I've been building up my experience in the industry. I've worked in just about every job in, in hospitality, including airline. And I'm most known for being a pastry chef in Canada. But over here, I get to share all of my experience. And uh, I'm currently working with a large restaurant group as as a trainer for them. Amazing. So, yes, tell me about, I mean, you forgot to mention one big thing, your latest. I mean, you're so humble. You're so Canadian. You're like, and you're a woman. It's, you're like, oh, I've just been training and living you I, know, I, pastry chef. Yeah. So if I were to start over in a proper um, interview way, I am a pastry chef by trade and I'm most known because I am the judge on the Great Canadian Baking Show. I've done the last four seasons uh, of six with the show. So we're in season six, but I've been the judge for the last four seasons. It's possibly the funnest thing I've ever done. And it was really exciting to be invited and asked to be a part of such a a really great international uh, phenomenon. Yeah. And congratulations. That's such a huge thing. And I love seeing you on television and CBC and Netflix and all the fun places that you pop uh, up on my screen. How did that come about? I know you had Madeline's Pies and you did all this other wonderful stuff. So did they call you? Do you apply? Is there like a a way that you kind of serendipitously land on television? <laughs> well, I, I am famous for saying you have to put yourself in a position to receive good luck. But I like oh, to I say that. I get lucky. And and really um, opening Madeline's Cherry Pie and Ice Cream as a cafe in the annex was an opportunity to receive good luck. There are, there are so many people who are in media who live in that community. And I felt like right from the beginning in 2004, I got incredible support. And somewhere along the way, somebody asked me to do breakfast television. And then somewhere after that, 
um, I got invited to be on Stephen and Chris on CBC. And I did that for about four or five seasons. And um, and then they started the Great Canadian Baking Show. And I had just started, if you remember, working as a sales rep for Ely Espresso. Yeah. As a coffee rep, as, as an extension of my own, um, a great way for me to get a little more experience in the industry and try a sales role, even though I had my bakery and it was active and successful as a, as a wholesale production company. I started working for Ely. And then I saw this audition to be on the great Canadian baking show. And I, I didn't go, I didn't audition because I had just started this other new job. Um, and then a couple seasons in, they oh, decided they oh. needed, yeah, they, they, they decided they needed somebody who came from the community, somebody local, the person they had as a judge, she was Australian, I think, because I'm not a hundred oh, okay. percent sure, but yeah. anyway, uh, but I, I had roots that were deep you know, in, in Canada and Canada. in Toronto. <laughs> and um, yes, and the whole thing happened quite in, in quite a beautiful way. They invited me to come in an audition. I did actually do an audition and Bruno and I just hit it off right away. Uh, he knows that I was a little starstruck when I met him because I watched the show and I liked yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know me, I waltzed in and told somebody what was wrong with their walnut muffins and I'm sorry. But they, uh, but they felt that I did it in a kind enough way that I was a fit for the show, so I got to, I got to do it. Well, I was in the middle of relocating to England, so it was oh, kind of a crazy oh, time. Okay. I was wondering how this yes. came about. Okay, it, it, yeah. So, so I had just uh, my partner had been invited to come over here, and I said, uh, of course, oh. I'd love to live in England. I mean, it's literally. One I of remember. The, okay, but yeah, I wasn't sure yeah. if it was because of the show or because of something else. It was. No, I, I came here with my partner oh. and I was, I was in, so I, I actually ended up moving here and then flying back to film what was then season three. Okay. So, you know, and it actually was, was something that, that got me through lockdown because I flew back three times when I wouldn't have been able to fly at all. So that was something really, uh, you know, great. It kept me, you know, kept me going back to Canada, which I love. And, it, and it's just such a great way to stay connected while yeah. exploring the world, you know, and while coming up with recipes. Like, for example, we just did um, Sacrator, if you watched last week. I saw that. Yes. And um, yeah. And, you know, and we've done which I got to go to Vienna and taste them, you know, to become an expert. Of course. You know. yeah. It's, it's a trouble. It's a it's a. It's a tough job sometimes, right? It yeah. is, you know, and, and you know, but going and <laughs> flying to Portugal is a lot easier from here than than from Toronto. So I can go there and taste the pastisanata before we there. Okay, you know, well, test yeah. them on the show. So yeah, they give you all the top jobs. I see. I you Portugal, know it's, it, Vienna. I mean, you might have to yeah, go to Italy to have some tiramisu. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. You're an expert. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I have to just say two things. From the moment I met you, there are two things that stand about you. You could talk to anyone about anything, and you're not shy. So I think they have the perfect host for oh. the show. And you are like lively, and you know, super intelligent, and all the things that you know I admire in a fellow business owner and a fellow entrepreneur. And yeah, watching your career and, you know, even the short stint as the coffee person, you just always, I hate to use the words hustle, but you hustled and you, you worked and you worked hard and your ethic and your personality and your good heart, um, kind of your reputation was always around you. So the, no, no one ever was like, oh, you know, Kyla, you know, 
where there's always our food industry is so small and everyone kind of knows everyone. And I think, you know, you're always one of the, the good humans in this in this city. So, yeah. So congratulations. Everything is well-deserved. Everything led to you Thank right you. now, led to your path right now. So, yeah, I'm so excited. I did get, I remember getting your thing like, I'm moving to Europe. I was like, oh, my God, amazing. And then I was like, I'm on the show. I was like, oh, whoa. It's, it's, it, it is confusing. It's even I sometimes wake up and think, where, where, where am I? What currency am I using here? Um, it's, it's great, you know, and it, and it has been a really trying and difficult time the last few years for people and the hospitality industry is exploring so many new avenues right now and yeah. and it's i feel honored and and truly blessed to be honest with you that that i i got to do you know this show and i hope that it did keep people going during lockdown you know oh, and, it did. and yeah 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 and everyone and got out their flour and butter and sugar and, and baked their hearts uh, out you know, and it's, um, oh, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, I want to gush about you for the next hour. I feel like, can we just no. reverse this and I'll interview you? <laughs> you, can, you can interview me on another episode. Yes. Okay. We'll do another episode <laughs> and we'll switch and we'll turn the tables. But yes. Uh, but well, you don't take questions. I love, I'm I do. Your list of questions. So. I was like, I think we need more than an hour. I have so much oh. to ask, especially because, so I lived in the UK for 10 years. It's my absolute favorite city. London is my favorite. I like, and I have to say, whenever I have a stressful moment, I dream that I'm looking for a flat and I'm walking around my own neighborhood. So I feel like it has such a comforting, safe space for me. Uh, but tell me, like, you know, you've been there a few years now. What's your favorite part? Like, there's so many food places. Like, I think I fell in love with the city and like just wandering and eating and exploring. Tell me what you love about like London. I, I don't think people know this unless they live there. Well, first of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, yes. First of all, I've been talking all day. Second of all, if you come from a city like Toronto, moving to London is great because it's Toronto with enough people to support as many businesses. So every single business idea that you see in Toronto is a packed establishment in London. It's 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 like guaranteed it's like an business explosion of Toronto. You know, that's and, what I and say about New York. It's guaranteed business. There's so many very people in New York much. that whatever business opens, it has a yes. base. Yeah. Yes. And and then London, if you come from the baking world, has that added caveat of First of all, everyone eats baked goods here. Um, but, you know, London is is like Toronto in the sense that it's built on neighborhoods and each neighborhood may or may not have an ethnic uh, background, but it certainly has a scene, you know, and they say, find your neighborhood and tuck in. But you can go and explore on a food level. And that was really the first advice I got. And the first thing I did was literally walk out the door one day and just keep walking. And I accidentally found the original Michelin building where Babendium is and, yeah. and accidentally, you know, sat down and had the best oversold oysters of my life. As and, you do. You know, and I say that tongue in cheek because I love PEI. It's like, oh, they're just eat oysters. So, you know, it was just that moment of being completely lost and completely alone in a brand new city and just happening to walk up to this gorgeous sort of turquoise blue building gorgeous. and realizing this is where Michelin decided we should start raiding restaurants. You know, it, and it, that's London. It's just yeah. a city of exploration and discovery. 
Yep. And, and you can I do it, it for 10 years like I did and still oh. turn a corner and go, oh, my gosh, look at this little nursery with a cafe and a like a flower. Like, and yes. Just, yes. And the fact yeah. that nurseries have cafes and it's fabulous, you know, and I, I am in the northwest part of London, which is lovely and easy to get around and extremely safe. And and I love it because I can get to all, the whole city so easily from where I am. It's very accessible. What's the your transit called? Um, well, I or you I don't have in, to say. I live in St. John's Wood, and oh, the joke I is you can't. I, I knew that the minute you said it because <laughs> um, because I, I we're talking about the same nursery. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're at the same cafe <laughs> in our brain. We are, we are. Um, yes, and um, and yeah, Clif- Clifton, Clifton Hill, <laughs> yeah, uh, Clifton Hill. Um, the it's little so Venice. great, little little Venice. We oh. Like I have done, first of all, I still teach purchasing in, in Toronto because of, of oh. the beauty of time zones. I still teach at George Brown. And, okay. uh, and I have actually gone through Maidaville, through a little Venice and gone in and done per- videos with the butchers and the, and the oh. fruit shop and the bakery and the wine shop. And it's just such a pure way to live, to literally go and buy your daily bread. I wish I could bake bread every day. I just don't have time. But, you know, it's we do go to the butcher and the fruit stand and the wine shop all separately. You know, we, we love rarely it. go to a grocery store. So because yeah, it's yes. all there. Every yes. every neighborhood has its high street, which is like all you need in one little, you know, street yep. community. Yeah. And oh. if you've lived here, so you know it. So if anyone else listening has ever spent time in in England or in Europe, you know how tiny our refrigerators are. And it's such yeah. a great way to change the way you think about food. It's purchasing only for that day and cooking all of it. It's like and only we, what you need. Yeah. Yeah. We have zero waste. And yeah. it's just, it makes me feel good. It really does. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. I, I do find that with a giant fridge, I'm still like, why, why am I wasting this? And then you try and cook it all and then freeze it all. Yeah. And, yeah. And whereas, you know, yeah. you have a tiny fridge, you just buy what you need, you cook it, and then you go out the next day and get it. And it is easy, like, because yeah. you can walk to your neighborhood. It is. It is. To get it. It is. Yeah. Now, from it's... a baking perspective, my tiny freezer is a whole hour podcast. I could do an hour podcast on a tiny freezer. Okay, we're going to do not that. A, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's frustrating to a baker. When I make gingerbread cookies, I can prepare six at a time. Could you imagine? Is your hundreds. oven like an easy bake like mine was? It was it, like oh, tiny. it's just and one that's tray. Exactly what, yes, half tray. An easy bake oven. It's <laughs> it's like I make six of the most beautiful cookies. Lisa and I are used to making batches of minimum six hundred. So we're talking about you know, but I'm getting, but I'm I'm learning to become so precise in my six little cookies. <laughs> so you give everyone one fun. for Christmas. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No, nobody gets dozens anymore. Well, I started my bakery in my flat in Maidaville and I had two roommates. So I used like a half sheet pan and I would bake one sheet pan at a time because that's how big my oven was. And I don't know if people would believe me in my like, you know, origin story because I'm always like, I would bake till 11 o'clock one batch because it would just take forever to do one and one. And yeah, I would like dry it, like air it out on my little like landing, which was the fire escape. And it was like so romantic back then. But I was like, what? How did I even um, like, 
<laughs> yes, romantic was not the word that came out of my mouth well, when I moved from my 2,000-square-foot production kitchen <laughs> to my one-inch big easy-bake oven. Romantic was, no, nothing was romantic yeah. at that moment. But I've adapted. And to be honest with you, I think I'm a better judge because of it. In the first season when I did this show, when you have the right tools and you have a giant freezer and you have a giant, you know, multiple ovens to choose from and all these things, you don't make as many mistakes because you just, you know, you, you, you have the right tools to do everything right. Yeah. And so now when I'm watching the bakers and they're struggling with their, their stovetops and they're lighting things on fire, I'm laughing because I do that here all the time. You know, and, and I probably shouldn't tell people that, but, you know, I'm taking recipes and converting them back to single batches and going oh, from yeah. 60 kilo batches back down to less than a kilo batches, you know, 250 grams of butter on things. And and it's hilarious, the mistakes I make. I love them because it's really that's, connecting that's me. The best. With, yeah. <laughs> with, you know, with uh, with what goes on in the show. So what are your favorite bakeries in London? Are you, oh. are you still exploring or... Um, you know, I, I do all the time. Ann Purnell actually just came to visit and we did an awesome tour. We had so much fun. Oh, um, oh I saw those pictures. You guys you look so, that? yeah, I was like, I want to be there having fun with them. Um, and, and we, it's a riot, an absolute riot. I don't know if you remember going up to Columbia Road Flower Market. Um, yes. But up there, there's a couple of um, great bakeries uh, doing really innovative things. And one of them, and of course, you're asking me right now, and the name is totally escaping me. I'll have to send it to you so you can, you can put send it, it to notes. me later. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. But it reminds me of your space on when you were on the quarter. Oh, and, uh, and it's beautiful what they do. It's simple. You know, they put out what they have. And when it's sold, it's sold. I love that. Oh, I'll think of the name in a minute. Beautiful. But um, uh, Dominic Ansel used to be here and that was really great. Uh, really, really beautiful, beautiful stuff. And uh, I just feel like every little neighborhood has little corner spaces, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of small businesses specializing in only one thing. And, and I love that a lot about the that. city. Yeah. Wild by Tart is somewhere is something that's great. They're two women entrepreneurs oh, just okay. doing great innovation. Yeah. Really lovely stuff. Cool. In Belgravia. They're in Belgravia. In Belgravia. Okay. Yeah. I remember there was one in the neighborhood Kil Kilburn High Park. There was a beautiful pastry shop on the northwest corner. I can't remember the name, but it was really like bright and airy and they did beautiful croissants there. Oh, might not be there I'll anymore, to, but I'll go for a walk on the weekend yeah, and look. Okay, tell me. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll find. I'll find so I like. I like that kind of a challenge. <laughs> so, so tell me more. You're training at like some of these amazing institutions in the UK, and again, right. if people haven't been to London or have had the privilege to even stay or visit or have tea or drinks at these places, like, tell us about the Savoy. I know it did had like a multi million dollar renovation and. Before you start, I want to tell you a little something about the Savoy. And, you know, I was there in my 20s, early 30s, and my best friend and I, you know, we had no money. We shared. We did. You know, we made very little money, but we always worked really hard because we were, you know, young and we worked hard. And we would treat ourselves once a year to go to the Savoy and have a glass of champagne at the Piero Bar and, like, eat the free peanuts and just, like, soak in the beauty of the Savoy. So... I haven't seen it post-renovation, but tell me about, like, or explain what the Savoy is like to people who've never been to it. Well, there's two important things to know about the Savoy. First of all, it was built by an American. And so it's the actually the only street that has, like, you drive on the other side 
on this side. Oh, that the little roundabout to get in? Yeah. It's the only oh, part of no. London that you drive on that side. And it's so that the guests can get in and out of the car easiest. And it's like, uh, that's the attention to detail that is the Savoy. It also had the first elevator um, that went up because they were the ones who introduced the concept that the more wealth you have, the, the higher you should be. It used to be that hotels would put their best rooms and their suites on the main level. But the Savoy inverted that and said, you should have the best views. And they actually, if you go in the red elevator, there's a couch and there was a couch and there was somebody who used to serve brandy because people were very nervous about going in a moving room. Oh, my. Again, it's that, deep. That, that is, that deep is why we went there once a year to just yeah, oh. to sit in the most beautiful elevator in London. Uh, but also the brigade system. So if you're a chef, Escoffier designed the brigade system, which is the way we know how to cook efficiently, with the way we know how to master crafts by each section being a specialist. Um, and each, you know, they're being having a saucier and having a garde manger and having, you know, a commie chefs that do certain things and chef de rong and all these things. This was designed at the Savoy. So for me to go into the Savoy and participate in the kitchens was living history, yeah. you know, and that it's was, like, that was like, it's goosebumps. history. It's like, this is where it was invented. So for me, like, and, and it was sort of a, it was sort of a funny thing. Cause when we were, when we arrived and, and Sean was so excited me, cause he had lived in London, maybe when you did, but when, when we arrived and, and we, you know, we went out for a walk and I said, oh, hey, that's the Savoy. And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, maybe I'll work there. And he laughed. And oh then, within six, then within six months, I had the job. So it was really beautiful and really exciting. And, and you know, they really appreciated that I was a Canadian. And, and it was really, it was cool. It was really cool. So what's the renovation like? Is it completely modern it, or is it still no, that no, old? No, no, no. Okay. You almost, you almost wouldn't notice it. Okay. It, it, the intention was to clean it. In the same way that they preserve, you know, great art and, and the differences, things are oh, more vibrant. Okay. Um, and, you know, and things are considering, like they actually moved uh, some in the front lobby. They moved things around a little bit just for, to improve flow. I know that's not okay. sexy yeah, to yeah. talk about, but, but that's <laughs> what they were doing, you know. But really, it's it's like, and it's the same thing, by the way, when I went to stay at the Sacker Hotel uh, for my 50th birthday in Vienna uh, oh. to eat the Sacker Tour, which was a bucket list thing to do. Um, it's the same thing. What's beautiful about them is they look fresh and clean, but the history is still there. Is there, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as an aside, my best friend, Benny, as her name is Benny, she bought, she, there was an auction when they were renoing for all yeah. their items, like everything, like salt, pepper shakers. And oh. I think she bid on, and I think she got a butter dish, like a, oh. a butter dish with I, a lid. And, and it was like yeah. a ridiculous yeah. amount of money, but she has a yeah. piece of history. So like, it's super, super special that I, when I saw that you worked there, I was like, oh my God. Okay. It's just, yeah. So, so beyond the Savoy, when I arrived, so I first started working at the Savoy, we did have lockdown. We did, I've said a million times, we sat with over a thousand years of industry experience in the, in the um, ballroom and everyone said, how do you close a hotel? No one had ever closed a hotel before. So we, we, we sorted it out. It didn't take more than two weeks. We thought it would close for two weeks. And, and I didn't return after lockdown. 
So uh, where I went next was I was working with um, teaching apprentices. So I was working with the Dorchester 45 Park Lane. And then I got to train apprentices at Buckingham Palace. Okay, you're going ahead of me. You're going ahead of me. I wanted you to. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I I was fortunate enough to have lunch at the Dorchester once with my Ah. friends from Lebanon. They were visiting and somehow they had some very wealthy relative in town and they invited us and we were like two bursting pieces of popcorn like just you know the beauty of it all and these were super wealthy people and they were like oh have whatever you want we were like oh my god okay so what's the dorchester like like from an organized like just the beauty of it was just you know first of all they are so people-centered they're so employee-centered you know and coming in there and teaching apprentices to see so much pride they're actually one of the only hotels that pay their staff completely during lockdown, uh, which is notable in the industry, honestly. Like it, it was a big expenditure and they just wanted to keep everyone looked after and guarantee everyone their jobs when they came back. So that says a lot about the organizational structure. They are, uh, you know, it's, it's such a well-run organization because it's a private group. You know, things like the Savoy. Savoy is actually Fairmont. Um, you know, they're, they're oh, part of, oh, okay. and, uh, and, you know, okay. so Dorchester has its own group and 45 Park Lane is part of that group. And, um, it's beautiful to see too, because they're, they, I mean, these hotels are so grand, aren't they? Like they're it's just, so beautiful. we they're don't just, have anything like oh, this in Canada. It's the grandeur and the, I mean, we the do because theater. we have, the theater, we have yeah. the Fairmont hotels. We have the CP hotels. Yeah. But, well, but not a it's lot. like. It's like, it's like we have one in Toronto and, and London, like, oh, I just, uh, when people come to visit, I like to take them to museums, but really I'm a hotel girl. Like if anyone hotel wants to lobby come bars. and just visit lobby bars, <laughs> but they're so Okay, beautiful. well, I'm going to come in the spring and I'm going to totally, we're going to have a drink at the Savoy and then at the uh, Dorchester and then and the then, Goring and then. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and then eventually the Mandarin Oriental. I've still never had tea at the Mandarin Oriental. It's on my list. I'm saving up for it. But, okay. and that's the thing too, is just to have tea in these places. You know, we sat in the Ritz and had just a cup of tea and it was just spectacular. Yeah. So lovely. Yeah. I have an eight hour tour for anyone that visits London. I have like a list of what to do. Yeah. Well, they have to be in 16 hours because we have to talk twice as much. There we go. <laughs> okay, and then tell me about the royal family because that must well, have been another. It, it was a whole new level, honestly. I mean, you know, like you said, you, you know, we, we work hard. We've earned every great thing that's ever happened to us because we put in 100,000 hours of sweat equity to get there. And and hopefully, you know, we both had fun doing it. And I, And when I got to stand the first moment that I was standing in a stateroom um, to give a training session, you know, I was, I was proud of myself. I'll say that. I, I was, I was beclumped. I was like, whoa. <laughs> don't okay. cry, don't cry. Exactly, I did. And then I was like, okay, compose yourself and let's talk about guest experience. You know, let's talk about yeah. what happened. And I kept thinking like, oh my gosh, like these are, you know, it, and, and the beauty of it is, by the way, the royal, the royal, um, if people ask me, no, I didn't. The queen didn't sit in on any of my sessions. Uh, from what I understand, trainer, no, okay, she didn't. <laughs> no, I guess she's comfortable with her own understanding of what hospitality is. <laughs> and but she the, had a bit of experience. 
yeah, she's she's good. She's a natural. Uh, but you know, and and had such a beautiful life. But the the people that work there to work with people who who were so dedicated to their service and craft, it actually it really re inspired me. And I talk a lot about about dedication to service, and I think it comes from my experience being there, working with these people who are there for the duty of the service, you know, and it's like, it's a beautiful word to add to what we do because what we do in real life is a lot of hard, long hours and a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of smiling when maybe inside we're not feeling so smiley, you know, and then, and then to see people add that extra level of they are in service. They're not just providing service. It really, it's a great reminder. I recommend it to anyone. Join the the royal household. It's- I I think it's wonderful. I I had a I had a run in with the queen, but I when I moved to London, I was dating someone who was in the military. And after three months, he's like, "It might be early, but do you want to have lunch with the queen as part of my, you know, squadron?" And I was just like twenty four, and I was like, "Ah, um, yes, please." <laughs> yeah. So I re- I remember the attention to detail. It was pre-digital phones. And I remember the attention to detail of like every fork and plate and knife and the settings and even just the pre-planning. Like there was background checks for me and my family and my parents. There was communications of what to do, what not to do, like everything. And everything was so beautiful. Even the thing was like, don't go to the bathroom when she goes to the bathroom. Was just on this beautiful, like, like the quality of paper and the script and yeah, so I wish we weren't allowed cameras inside, but I have some blurry, you know, printouts. But like that whole, I'm always amazed at the organization and even the the funeral, like the whole, the whole procession ceremony, everything was so perfect. I mean, maybe there was mistakes, but we would never see them or just the whole, how, how does that happen? Like, how do they do that? Well, you know, I think it's what you said. It's attention to detail. It's practice. It's care and concern it's training i mean there's so much training you know and what what i was asked to train i you know coming from a pastry background a word detail oriented is the word for it that i used there's other words but detail other words to see to to be a part of something where every single person is detail oriented is just i mean it's just sublime it's so fabulous the other thing that I loved learning, well, there's two things I love learning about the royal household. One was that places like Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle are homes. They're, they're, they sit on the chairs. They use the plate. There was a candy dish that apparently I was allowed to take a candy out of. Um, or I may have eaten a candy. I shouldn't have. But, the, the, you know, the, 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 and, but, you know, and just because it's Limoges from 1792 or whatever year, they use it. And if it breaks, they get it fixed. Oh, and I love that. And the other thing, so first of all, it's a home. And I thought, wow, this is cool. This is a home. Because at first I didn't even know if I could sit down. Like I thought, oh, do I just stand for the next six hours? I don't know what to do. They said, oh, sit, it's your chair. You know, this is a dining room table. So we trained at a dining room table. Oh, okay. So they welcome the staff as a dining room table. Like it was just, it's just like that the humanitarian for all the world have sat there. But so did we, you know, and I thought that was really cool. I love that it's a home, but also that they um, reduce, reuse, and recycle. They, they, they are very conscious. They mend things. They repair things. And I, and I just love that because, you know, I grew up in, in the country and 
and we recycled way before it was cool. You know, I used all my sandwiches came in milk bags going to the grade school. I was all about to say my grandmother. Bag. Yeah. Yeah. You my know, grandmother we, washed uh, the milk bags. That, oh, still, my mom brings me milk bags in England when she oh, comes to visit because I love it. Does it come in a bag here? And I'm like, what do I put my freezer stuff in? <laughs> so milk it's, bags. it's yeah. bags are the best. Yeah. So, but the royal household is very conscientious of that. And I thought that that meant a lot to me, you know, because when yeah. you literally have all the money in the world and you still care about the environment, I think that's cool. Yeah. And I think there is something for mending and altering because a lot of people just throw stuff out when it can just be mended. Yeah. I love that. If you're interested in learning the baking basics behind making swoon-worthy cakes, I invite you to join our six-week online cake and buttercream course, which can be taken from anywhere in the world. Class starts every other month, and in these classes, you will make new connections and learn new baking and cake decorating skills. With weekly live Zoom meetings with our chefs, you will discuss your progress and your homework and you will be on the road to becoming the cake decorator you've always dreamt of being. Training from our expert chefs teach you proven foolproof cake basics. This course is broken down into three different parts. Part one, cake. You will learn the science of baking cakes and test on your skills by baking six different recipes. Part two, buttercream. You will dive deep into the wonder of buttercreams testing out the most popular icings. Part three, decorating essentials. You will learn to stack, mask, and comb your cake to perfection. This space is filled with supportive, collaborative interaction and access to a fully immersive learning experience to transform the way you bake. You can find the link to join our classes in the show notes and use podcast 20 for 20% off. I look forward to baking with you. So one of my other questions is, I mean, you've, I think you love to eat and experience food like me. Um, it's hard to say this, and I hate this question, but what has been like one of your most memorable be- memorable meals or best meals? And I mean, you could but, say London or Canada or just. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's funny because I have a bread story and this is a really old, old story. But um, years ago when I was a flight attendant for Air Canada and it was the first time I ever went to Israel and we went at the time, I forget which, because I've been on many trips, but I forget at the time exactly what was going on politically. So forgive me if I'm not quite getting it right. But we weren't allowed, maybe we weren't allowed to go from Tel Aviv. We weren't allowed to go west, but we could go north, something like that. And, but the people we were traveling with couldn't all go into Lebanon. So I think we were quite far north. And I think we were in Haifa, if I'm not mistaken. And we, so we stopped. And there was somebody there and they were making bread and it was a flatbread and they were making it on a stone and they had clearly been making like this is the stone had been used for probably a century. And, and it was just one of the most perfect experiences of my life because it was completely unexpected. It was simply bread. It's something that all cultures have. And yet in this moment, there was so much history. And it was so, so new and so familiar at the same time. It was like one of those like aha moments. And it was literally just a piece of bread, but I'll never forget the taste of it. So that one stands out. I love that. So was it, it flatbread, like baking on the stone bread. or was it? Okay. It was a, no, oh. it was a flatbread on a hot stone. And oh, the thing that. is, the person baking it was sitting in front of this stove. And, and you know, and, and it's like Netflix is so good right now for showing all these stories you know, and bringing us to the experience instead yeah. of 
you know, in or bringing the experience to us instead of the other way around. But again, it was still pre um, pre cell phones when I went, and so it was one of those things that's just magical and it's in my memory, printed in your mind. Yeah, yeah. There's no photo evidence of it, but it was just. It, but yeah, and I hope Netflix goes to Haifa and and, and you know finds this person, finds the red people. Um, oh but you have so that's like a really basic one. Um, most recently, though, I mean, this this trip to Vienna for my 50th birthday to eat the Sacker tort at the Sacker Hotel was magical. And this staff there was so fantastic. And I wish I got around and asked them all to pronounce it because the way they say it, it's just so perfect. Right. And it's like Sacker, but it's just, oh. you know, it's so great. Um, and uh, to get to go in the kitchen. And see them prepare it was really. Oh yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, they said you know it's not permitted, but <laughs> but they let me because I insisted, insisted, and tried to explain many times why. But it was something that I had planned to do for thirty years, and it really built it up. And and when you build something up for that many years in your mind, because I had it when I was a university student traveling, I had a, a piece of sacrosanct at um, in Salzburg. And then okay. I kept the little brochure thinking I want to get to Vienna. And it took me 30 years. And Sean and I went. Wow. And, and the dinner met every expectation I had. The whole experience, it, it went beyond my expectation. And they, they were so great. And you know, when you build something up for so long, um, it, 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 it's more magical. It was even, it was. And we went to another restaurant in, in Vienna that was called Lapstella. And it was a farm to table. And again, oh. he just made it perfect. So and can you explain to everyone what a sac sacratort is? So a, a sac well. I know, I know. That's why I wish I had the recording of it. The, the sacratort is, it's a simple chocolate cake. But what oh. it is, is the story behind it is that an apprentice was tasked with making a cake for a dignitary. And they were like, I don't really know how to, what to do. And so they kind of guessed at the recipe. So it's a recipe that came out of, of somebody just trusting their instinct and it became this legend. And, um, and it has, it's first of all, it's got a lot of eggs in it. That's, that's the biggest thing to know. It's got twice that's as important. many yep. okay. as, as any other cake. It's also by North American standards. Um, it's very dense and it's, it's, uh, not the cake itself is not as sweet as something like a devil's food cake. Um, where the sweetness comes from the apricot jam inside. And then, and then it does have, uh, these notes of almonds. So these are like apricots, almonds, and chocolate is like, is like to me, the trio of goodness, favorite things. <laughs> and then the glaze is so perfect. It's this shiny mirror glaze. And it's something we revisited in North America in the last little while is mirror glaze. We all fell yeah, back. Yeah. 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 But for so many years, and when I had my bakery, no one was doing mirror glaze. No. And um, so I've made, I've made so many secretorts in my life, and I love it. And I know Daniel at Stube, I'm supposed to mention. <laughs> that oh, yeah. He great one. He does? Okay. He does, yes. Okay, we're going to add that in the show oh, notes. What does he do all year long? No, but I know somebody said to me, oh, well, I go to Daniel. Uh, um, and I have a terrible secret. A thousand years ago, I was celebrating um, a notable event uh, with somebody and it and it required a sacrator. And I forgot to make it at Madeline's because I was really busy that day. And I was driving and I went, oh, Daniel, and, and 
went to Stoop and was like, oh my gosh, please tell me, please tell me you have one. And he did. And that's a thousand years ago now, that story. But um, that's what friends are for, though, in the industry. I have have stories like that, too. We all look after each other, don't we? And and, yeah. And uh, yeah. So but to to go there and um, and to have this meal and eat, eat the local, eat local, you know, in in Austria, eating local is a good thing. No, there's lots. So how many layers of like how many layers is it? Is there? jam in so, each layer okay now and that's an interesting thing too because i uh, finally now that i've been to there's two bakeries there's the sucker hotel but there's demel bakery and they they both claim to um, be the original and the, i think the apprentice worked at both of them so they both claim <laughs> he's like uh, it, you know but uh but it's a two-layer cake so there's okay i had always baked it because probably the one i learned in cooking school had four layers yeah, because so you well, apric- your yeah. photo looked short. I was like, no. I, yes. I didn't expect there to be a layer. Right. Okay. So actually, there's it's it's a cake like you would make like a traditional eight inch cake and slice it in half, and in the center, okay, the jam. So it's not very high. Like I'm I'm showing you what two and a half inches, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's I actually... very dense and very rich. I love that. I actually saw an article on the CBC today. I don't know if that's relating from the show. Did you write that? I have to, I was flipping through. I didn't write the article and I haven't seen it yet, but I'll have to okay. look. Bit of a delay. I was flipping through today. I was like, oh, that's so relevant and timely that it was talking about the same tour. It looked like it was, well, I because thought Phoebe wrote it. It was our, we did it. It was just the technical challenge this week on the baking Oh, show. so then they probably wrote about it. Okay. So, so they've shared the recipe that we did for Thanks. the show. And I can tell you, like I said, I've spent 30 years eating it, enjoying it, testing it. And then, and then I did go to Vienna and fact check <laughs> and before we paired. Quality control. And I brought, yeah. and I did bring cake back. So we got to uh, enjoy it as a production team. And they were so kind. Um, it, it, we don't mention my 50th birthday in the show, but it is, it is a, a really kind nod to my yeah. Oh, birthday. I love that. Oh, my <laughs> God. I can't believe you're 50. It's I know, amazing. right? Time flies. I know. Okay. So then you also say that you do, you're researching concept of flavor. Yes. What so does it's that interesting mean? Because I, I think I know what it means, but I want you to explain yeah, it to. Okay. First of all, it means I'm reading a lot of really cool books. That's really what it is. And okay. and I am fascinated by the idea that, that I came from Omini, Ontario. Right. And so I only know what I know. And and um, when we talk about flavor and especially and what really piqued my interest was being on the show and starting to think of instead of just saying, hmm, that's great. You know, it's what's great about it. What are you tasting? What are you experiencing? And then so I started to look up words, you know, what words go with what flavors. And then I started getting deeper in the research. And it's really cool because actually we taste things based on our memories. And things like caffeine trigger certain memories. And, and so when you start thinking about how we experience food, it, is, it makes so much sense. Like you talk about Italy and you talk about the air and the water and the flavors and the purity of the food. And it's, this, it's that. It's that, it's that it's the story of our life that actually makes up how we taste. And I so I'm that. trying to do two things. I'm trying to A, experience more life and travel every weekend whenever possible. And he think about what does that taste mean to me, but how would we describe it in another way? Or what are, what are the things that relate to it? And, 
a lot of times it has to do with what grows in the area. So learning about, you know, like if, if, um, what's the one sea buckthorn or, or uh, sea berry yeah. that we're getting excited about as Canadians again. And you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's a sharp, you know, burst of flavor. And, and it's something that preserves well. And, and we need that sharp burst in the middle of winter to keep us going, you know, to keep us from hibernating. You know, so it's like, those are those things. It's like how flavor relates to experience and back and forth. So, so. that's, that's perfect for the show. Do they yeah. train you? Because I, I love wine, but I can't ever describe wine. I'm like, I love it. And I, I think it's soft. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm using any of the right words or, but I yeah. know if I like wine or I don't like wine, but I know that, you know, one of my friends, he's a whiskey ambassador, a global whiskey. And he's like, oh, the notes and the flavors and the tweaks. And my friend Christine is a sommelier and she can tell you all the herbs and spices growing within 100 kilometers of her wines. But I'm all like, how how do you learn that? Is that just like closing your eyes or is that like, how do they teach you to sing, to not say to every cake on the show, like, great work. (laughs) Well, first of all, like, like Bruno and I love food. And, and so, so. We just want to know more about it. We we think about food all the time. We talk about okay. food. Like, thank goodness we have each other in that sense, because maybe other people would be like, okay, enough already. <laughs> yeah, but, well. um, but, you know, we're always talking about it. No, there's no formal training. No, there's no prerequisite. Nobody says to me, please read these following books and report back. But we share this. Okay. You know, so you can just, talk about it and, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ask Laura. And, and, but you're touching on something really important because, you know, sommeliers, we've, that's been a, like the study of, of the flavors of wine has been around for a long time. In coffee, you know, we study the terroir of, of coffee. Yeah. It's yeah. all, there's only really two beans that we drink from, but the terroir changes everything. And, and then when you start looking at tea, same thing, right? Chocolate. And, yeah. And chocolate, well, chocolate, oh, there's, I mean, there's brilliant chocolate experts. Yeah. And, and then, but I'm just, I'm just like, I have no biases. I will taste food. I will taste wine. I will taste baked goods. And I just want to kind of get that same sensory experience. Love it. So, you know, I don't know where I'm going with it. I mean, it may be a book. It may be a, a chat with you. I don't know. It but should it, definitely be a book. I would read that book. But I love to think about. We'll see where it goes. I love that. Uh, this always reminds me of like, you and I could talk about food for like eight hours and like shut a restaurant down. And I have friends like that where we could talk about food and people just don't get us or they get us and they think we're weird. But um, I'll never forget. I went to Italy one time and there was two older Italian ladies on the beach and they started talking about melanzane, which is eggplant, which is a huge staple, especially in Southern Italy, where my family's from. And they just talked about melanzane how they cook it, how they make it, how they cook it, how, how their sister likes it, how they're for two hours. They talked about eggplant, one vegetable, one purple little vegetable for two hours. I was like, they're still talking about melanzana. And I thought it was strange, but then I was like, I probably could do it for like about cake or pastry. And I think we could find that beach just there. And, and, and yeah, I love that. Yeah, oh isn't it? it? Food is so, ah, it's, I love, I'm, I'm so biased. I'm just what like, was food in your house growing up? Like, what did you eat? What was like on the menu Everything. every night? Okay. It was wow. our, our garden 
Well, I lived, okay, so I'm from Omimi, Ontario, and we lived on Where Pigeon. Where is that? Tell us where that is. Uh, it's halfway between Lindsay and Peterborough. Okay. I don't know how it's explained. What's the population Fuck. of it? They took the sign down. Oh, when I was a kid, it said What does that mean? Well, it oh. used to say 600, but when I drove through, there's no sign, so I'm not sure. So if it's under five, um, they take the sign it, down? I, I, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know when it becomes, it was oh. the town of Omi, the village of Omi. I'm not sure. But I, I lived live. on the lake. So I lived near Emily Park. I don't know. Um, but I grew up on Pigeon Lake. So basically we had a house, uh, like we'll be at a cottage resort, like a marina. But our garden was twice the square footage of our house. Okay. That makes sense. And then we had a 27 mile long lake. Okay. How many so people lived on the we, lake? Uh, I don't know. It was all cottages, so. Oh, so it was a cottage country. Okay. Yeah, cottage country. Like so Corthus. Okay. Corthus. Does that help if I say Oh, Corthus? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know Corthus. Very. So when I opened my bakery, yes. I went to Corthodary and said, like, I, I grew up on Corthodary butter. I need milk. I, I, I can milk. I can't. Okay. I, I must use Corthodary. And, uh, and all of okay. our maple syrup for our maple pies um, came from the farm right next to where I grew up. Okay. I know where you are now. Okay. Uh, so if that helps a little bit, so Peterborough area, sort of, yeah, uh, I would be yeah, yeah. Peterborough. But the the um, thing, fun fact about London, we celebrate everything, and this is the festive season. So I don't know if you can hear fireworks. Besides, I was going to say somebody drumming outside your door. No, it's I can see the lights. It's fireworks, but I but is is it still falling? I don't I don't know what we're so, is it Guy Fawkes? Oh, there's so many holidays that involve Guy fireworks. Fox is in the spring, right? No, yeah. Day like, of the Dead? No. It's the fourth. I'm anyway, okay. having fireworks right next to us. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I thought your your husband was like banging the drums last. Yeah, now now it's fireworks. I could see the sparkling. Anyway, um uh, we were just talking about Omimi, though, um, yes. and growing up. And so I ate fish from the lake. Like, I didn't know you buy fish in a store. I also thought there was only bass and pickerel. In the world. I, yeah. Greatest Canadian fish to eat. You know, correct me if you think I'm wrong. But, I um, pickerel. But, oh, pickerel is so good. And that was just normal for us. Uh, we also had all of our friends had farms. Yeah. So I drank unpasteurized milk and I ate um meat that came from farmers locally your neighbors our neighbors yeah maple syrup came right next door uh so all these things food was everything also my parents lived and worked at home so we ate three meals a day as a family so i've been cooking since i could you know whatever okay yeah i've always cooked i don't ever remember not cooking um and my grandmother was a chef in windsor um and ah. my mother although she'll never admit it she's so cute she'll say like i said to her why don't you get a job in a bakery when i moved here and she said well i don't have any experience i said you just worked at madeline's for 16 years that would be my mom I'm, i, so I, I wouldn't know what to do yeah, like, mom. I, I, I might have told my mom to come to you you know and and uh and work you know just occasionally and she said well i don't have any experience I said, oh, it's you know so yeah so my mother and grandmother were chefs and um, and my father's a great cook too. My whole family cooks, and my nice. partner. So who cooks now at home in London? We both do. Sean's okay. making dinner right now. It's his night. Oh, nice. Um, okay. And and not, there's no rhyme or reason to it. We just love food so much. There must be food. 
there's everything involves food. And we uh, we really try very hard to uh, right now we're trying to eat meat only on weekends. Um, it's just a it's just a choice we're making mostly to yep. keep us keep us alive and keep us well, keep us alive, keep, keep the globe alive. But yeah. also to keep us inspired, you know, there's so yeah. many great plant based things. Um, yeah. It's easy to cook chicken. It's easy to to cook a steak. But we're really focused on on plant based um, just to nice. keep it, keep life exciting. And what's your favorite restaurant in London? I mean, there's so many, but can you pick one? OK, our Friday night restaurant is Frescobaldi's uh, because okay. they made me feel welcome because in Toronto, we used to go to Marinella's. It was our Friday night restaurant. Oh, you know, all nice. of our best friends we met there. I mean, I'm well, a particular group of best friend foodies uh, we met there. And when we moved to London, it was so weird to not know anyone and not have, you know, not that, <laughs> know every yeah. chef in the city. It was so awful. The first month I was like, I don't know anyone here. And we walked into Frescobaldi's and they were so welcoming and, you know, and, and the beauty and simplicity of great regional Italian food. You know, they're, they're, I mean, if you know Frescobaldi, um, the vineyards in Tuscany, great wine. No, and so yeah. they have, okay. they have a restaurant, um, here in London and they're just good people. And we've just gone almost every Friday night in the last oh, four years that. or whenever possible. So that's our absolute favorite. I mean, you know, uh, beyond that, like we we went to all the big heavy hitters when we first moved here, and and had different kinds of experiences at places like Sketch, and um, you know, and yeah. and, and there's oh, such a tough question. There's so like, where would you take me? But be like, let's go here for a fun night out. Uh, okay, well, Katsu in uh, Fitzrovia. I love Fitzrovia. There's there's um, a Portuguese restaurant called Lisboa, and it's um, actually I haven't been yet. It's Michelin starred, and when you open the door, the smell just envelops you. And that's okay. on Charlotte Street. Uh, Katsu is a Japanese restaurant, but it's owned by somebody who was born in Sri Lanka and moved to Japan to learn the art of, of oh, wow. um, sushi making. And he's just absolutely brilliant and talented. I'd take you around there because we'd probably All end right. up with Mr. Fogg's for cocktail or two later on um and then the charlotte street hotel for a nightcap and then just try to spin up until the perfect okay yeah, getting yeah, my yeah. getting my ticket okay well go. i have uh, one more question i have so many more but i feel like you have to go eat dinner um what's the weirdest like food thing you've seen in the industry okay it's and then i'm thinking hard about that one um, and it's what I'm really intrigued by and it's not, it might not be as weird. I don't know if it's weird enough for you, but I want to learn more about using crickets as protein. Cause oh, I've me eaten too. crickets, like I've eaten them and I've had, like I had some kind of a power bar, like a, yes, I'm going to say granola bar, but a cricket bar. And someone sent me the cricket powder to use at the bakery. That's what I want to learn. So that's not weird. I know it's not weird. And I'm like, darn it, that's not going to be weird enough. But that's kind of weird um, for people not into like the food of the future. So yeah, it's kind of weird, but right. not. Yeah. I love I mean, that. Like it just makes so much sense, but I, I haven't, like, I don't have tactile experience with it yet. So yeah. for me, it's like, yeah, how can we make, uh, how can we use it? I think people think of it as like crickets, but they grind it into a powder and it looks like turmeric. Like it just looks like a spice. And and by so. the way, I, 
fact that like to turmeric, which is not weird at all, but it's, it's also, it's, it's a healthy thing. And I'm loving seeing turmeric and baking right now because I think it's just makes such a beautiful color and the flavor makes sense for baking. And I'm like, oh yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Growing the up color, in Omini, yeah. we didn't use very many crickets no, turmeric, or turmeric no. in our no. baking. No, no, not so much. no. But anyway. We didn't grow up with that. And not our household so either. <laughs> but isn't it cool? Like, isn't it great that these things that have been around forever are still ours to discover? Like they're, you know, yeah. like, like what's old to someone is new to us and, and maybe they'll, you know, discover maple yeah. sugar somewhere else. Yeah. Go, and what is this uh, tweaking agent? <laughs> and I think you can just it. like spices is a whole other world. You can explore so much with spices. Oh. Like you just, oh. it's not just salt and pepper anymore. We're actually learning about spices and what we can do with them. So I love that. Oh, I and, that and, I and. If I could make a commercial for the spices that we see on this season of the baking show, which sounds weird to say on a baking show, but the use of spices. And and I don't know if you've ever put um, black pepper, like telecherry peppercorn, in your gingerbread, but my goodness, does it make a difference? Like, does I honestly it? thought I thought I had the best gingerbread recipe. And then I then one of the bakers last season added black peppercorn and I went, oh, Really? Yeah. Like Such ground? a simple thing. Tell a cherry. Yeah, like 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 black peppercorn wow. like you buy in the grocery store. It just adds one more layer. It just like you have to use it like okay. in a in a smaller amount than your nutmeg. Yeah. You know? But it just it just brings everything together. Cool. Oh. Okay. Well, on that note, I'm gonna no. get that dusty old peppercorn box and let <laughs> my spice cupboard i know i use the same spices as an italian family like garlic oregano olive oil like basil we don't really veer oh, and at the restaurant i was at today i was i was just really quickly uh we were doing a training session we were talking about ingredients somebody mentioned pesto and i i was trying to use an example and i i referenced the basil and the chef said um or basil 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 um and the chef said actually we don't use it and i was like what and they said, we use lovage. Now it's like, uh, you win. Uh, <laughs> so I love creativity. I love thinking outside the box. In so this people sense. don't know what lovage yeah. is. What's lovage? Well, lovage, I, okay, uh, fact check me on this one. But I put lovage in the sensory experience of like marjoram and lavender and, and these more um, uh, aromatic perfumey than anise licorice, where basil okay. usually sits. And so I what you're doing, like somebody married two, two spices together to make it, or was it always been lovage? Cause I only learned about lovage a few years ago and I was like, what is this? I thought it was like oregano. I I do. Is that, I, so I'm, I, I have thought, to fact check that too. Yeah. Let's fact check it and, and come back to it because I thought it was an old, um, uh, like weed. I don't know how to say it. the same way that oregano is a weed and mint is yeah. a weed, right? Like it's, there, I thought it was Lovage was an old, old um, genus it, of flora. <laughs> I don't know how else to call it. It looks, but, yeah. Okay, we have homework. I love when there's I homework. I have homework. I, homework. I'm a teacher. We're going to learn about Lovage. We'll add it in the show notes what Lovage is. There you go. Okay, we'll do. Definitely. All right. Well, so great to speak to you. I am going to let you go for your wonderful dinner. What is he making, by the way? Okay. Well, it is, it is Friday night. So it's the weekend. Oh, so we, 
We'll, we are, we'll be having meat this evening, I know. Oh, okay. I was like, are you going to the pizza restaurant? Or am I delaying your reservation? Not at all. I make pizza. Oh. Usually I make pizza on the okay. weekends. But uh, but yeah, no, tonight we haven't had meat in a while. So I, I think Sean is. Sean is making a good old-fashioned steak. It's grilling. It's grilling. Oh, he's oh. grilling. Yes. yes. I love in it. the English sense by putting it in the oven. <laughs> yes. On the grill. <laughs> on the grill. Yeah. On grill yeah. setting. Yeah. Oh, I, okay, I, well, I hope you come and visit and maybe we can do a walking tour, you know, and visit some great bakeries and great restaurants and have a chat because that would be so fun. I would love so that. Fun. I usually try and come to London once a year around my birthday, which is in the spring. So I am tr- currently trying to organize that for next year. Um, I try and coordinate with all my friends when they're in town and, you know, kind of reconnecting with everyone so yeah i would love to see you in the spring and we could walk and eat and just like do our you know twenty thousand steps around the city so yeah i'm i'm very excited and you know we can have a glass of wine at the savoy which would be like super special so yeah i haven't been back in five years so i think it's time it's time yeah absolutely okay well we'll we'll wait patiently for you Okay. Thank you so much for having Thank me today. Thank you. Yeah. I will uh, put some of your amazing stuff in our show notes for everyone. And then maybe just tell everyone how they can watch you on the baking show. Well, it does. It uh, We're halfway through the season. So it's on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. And you can also watch it on the CBC Gem app. And then you can catch up on past seasons on Netflix. It's still on there. All five seasons are on Netflix. And then we're airing live on CBC and CBC Gem. And I have to say, I love your wardrobe. It's always so vibrant and colorful. And like, from like a gray Toronto perspective, it's starting to get a little bit gray here. I'm like, oh, it's just so nice to see colors and bright lights. And I love that. So thank you. It's I love it. It's fun. It's really fun. So thank you. (laughs) Okay. Have a nice dinner. Sending love from Toronto. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolching.com. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Lisa Sanguidolce.